0: We're almost through the second month of this year, but that doesn't mean that you should forget about those New Year's resolutions, your new goals, especially your skincare goals. Small, easy changes in your routine can have amazing results, and your secret weapon should be Dime Beauty. I've been using this stuff. Look at me. Look at my face, Pace Case. You're glowing. How young do I look? Tell me. Tell me the number. That's
1: a paste case glow. You look like a little baby.
0: Thank you. That's the look I'm going for. And uh, I put this stuff on at night, <laughs> Dime's eye cream, and then they have a, a dewy day cream that I also use. And this is the result.
1: I, I've literally never used a moisturizer before. Mm-hmm. I've always had oily skin, but now it's getting to that time. And I made one of my New Year's resolutions to be to do my skincare routine. And I'm using the dewy day cream in the morning. I keep it on the left. Using the restorative night cream, I keep it on the right. It's bim, bam, boom. I know which one to use. And now my face is moisturized all the time and it's so nice.
0: You look like a baby as well.
1: Thank you. I was waiting for it, (laughs) (laughs) a little slow. (laughs) But uh, this takes the guesswork out of the routine. So uh, this is part of the work system, the two moisturizers. There's also a sold out retinol alternative, the TBT cream. Uh, I can't wait to try that one as well. Dime has over 2 million happy customers and their product reviews are literally all five stars.
0: This year, love your skin again. Go to dimebeautyco.com now and unlock your discount. That's dimebeautyco.com. It's the Game of Roses. Welcome, Welcome to the, the game, game of, of Roses. roses. This, this is the Game of Roses. Welcome to, to the Game, game of, of Roses. roses. I to 12 weddings last year. You hook up with whoever you want, when you want. I have the ability to, but it's not what I want. Like, I, I want one of those 12 weddings to be my wedding, you know? Welcome to Game of Roses. This is Bachelor Clues. Pace Case has the night off. She's recovering from surgery, so it's going to be me, solo, breaking down three hours of Bachelor Paradise Season 9. I hope that you will enjoy this breakdown more than the episode itself. Uh, I know I certainly will. We did see some interesting things tonight. Obviously, it didn't need to be three hours long. You could have gotten through this entire show in about 45 minutes. There were maybe three things of import that occurred other than the return of Christina Mandrell, which was uh, one of the highlights of the night to me. And it really makes you wonder, what could this paradise have been? Had the producers got their shit together and had some of these players like Christina Mandrell show up on paradise like they were supposed to? What could we have seen this season? We got what we got, but that little glimpse of Mandrell at the end with Braden Bowers just shows you like, what would that have been like had they met on Paradise? Uh, we also got to see at the very end of this, which I'm sure I'll talk about again when I get to the end, the little montage at the end of all the successful Paradise couples, notably missing were One, Tropical Rail, Becca Kufrin, and the big body trash can himself, Thomas Jacobs. They are happily married with a child They met on Paradise, and yet the producers saw fit to exclude them from that montage. This was obviously done on purpose. They are persona non grata after being pushed out of the the franchise unceremoniously. Becca Kufram was the face of the franchise in many ways for a very long time. She, of course, co-hosted the official Bachelor Nation podcast, Bachelor Happy Hour, and she was the host of Bachelor Live on Stage, which Darkseeker and I attended some two years ago uh, before they canceled uh, the, the next iteration of it that was supposed to happen Uh, This year in Arizona. So, all of those things are to be kept in mind as we begin this dive into the once again three hour finale of Bachelor in Paradise Season 7. Let's get into it. Here we go. And now, Pace Case and Bachelor Clues proudly present analysis of play in this week of our beloved game. This is Game of Roses. Tonight, uh, on the finale, BIP, the intro says, we see the neon party, loves in the air, kisses, romance, level of force. People are finding their persons, drama, potential engagements, freakouts, tears, the pressure of paradises, is in. Who will leave brokenhearted? Who will get engaged? And who is getting married? And then we get the video intros and we see for the last time, hopefully, in the history of our lives, the burrito thrown from DLP one more time to Wells Adams. Uh, really, I hope they do away with that if Paradise is even coming back after the dismal season they've turned in. And when I say dismal season, I mean, by the way, from the producers. Some play this season was absolutely stellar. What we saw Olivia Lewis do all season long and continue to do in this finale, uh, simply mind-blowing, and she just didn't get the recognition she deserves. Not on Instagram, and I feel like not in the show as well. But let's begin here. Portion one. We see some plastic inflatable flamingos in the pool, a turtle design on a cement pillar, a lizard on the ground, birds in the air. Any of these could have been my creatures. All of them together could have been uh, a creature medley. Instead, we had a better creature later. I think you know who I'm talking about. We then see Tanner getting his first colorful narrator, ITM, to tell us about the weird vibe in paradise after the prior night's rose ceremony. Five people left, including the two biggest stars in the game, Rachel Reckia and Blake Moynes jess then lays out a plan for uh having fun in the face of despair with some tequila and sandcastles jess and mercedes then build the castles together and now that their men have fled they discuss missing blake and tyler but they agree they're looking for somebody new and jess admits to the possibility of tanner being uh, her new target Jess then itms fear of not having enough time to get to couple them with tanner there are only a few days left in paradise then she and Mercedes destroy the, the sandcastles they just made. Is this a metaphor for what the producers have done to Bachelor in Paradise? Methinks so. John Henry then ITMs the unexpectedness of his relationship with Kat, but admits he is excited to keep going. He future casts, admitting that he sees himself with her outside of here. Sam P. then reads a date card for Kat and John Henry. Love is about finding balance. And we get uh, an interesting Grazie promo immediately after this in the commercial break. Love means nothing in the game of tennis. I mean, it means zero in the game of tennis, but it means everything to me. Interesting sound was used on this. Interesting editing. It's, I, I liked it. I gotta say, some of the other promotion they're doing for a season is like kind of missing me. This shit was interesting. They're doing something artistic here and I really liked it. And I liked it much more than anything I saw in the first portion of BIP season nine finale. We got no new information, an entire segment wasted. And all we really got to see was, Yep, Jess and Mercedes need to find a guy. And this set the tone for what we knew was going to be three hours of basically nothing with with virtually nothing new happening and really nothing new that you're going to care about happening. We start portion two, we're watching everyone doing a diving contest with upbeat music until Olivia belly flops into a full edit. Show me more of this stuff. Show me more of their antics so that I get uh, to know who any of these people are, please. On the one-on-one time with Kat and John Henry, they encounter some paddle boards on the beach and John Henry ITMs that there are still major conversations they need to have before taking that step. John Henry falls in the waters. Cat gets black boxed on the paddle boards. They kiss on the paddle boards and throw each other in the water. And Cat ITMs a loaded love level three and maintains that she's taking the relationship seriously. And she wants to see more parts of him, probably like the butcher knife tattoo on his right arm. I don't know how I've missed this all season. This man has a butcher knife tattooed on his right arm. It's like the centerpiece of that sleeve. Need to know the story behind that. Hopefully we'll get it on social media. Then we get some more one-on-one time. And John Henry reveals that what he really likes about Kat is how caring and supportive he is. Uh, Caring and supportive she is. Sorry. He mentions her STCO play, even though she has a tough shell, and he loves that about her. Kat loves that he sees that because she thinks it's hard for most people to see her in that role of a, a caring STCO. I agree. The producers have made it almost impossible this season. Um, which, again, is a huge error on the producer's part. She is one of your hero players. You know the outcome of this season while you're editing this season. Why would you ever turn her into a villain? She's one of only two couples that go all the way to engagement, and they did nothing to protect her. And we'll get to it in the end. Even after she is engaged, they throw her under the fucking bus. Nonetheless, right here in this moment, she then plays a uh, struggle in childhood PTC, says despite her huge family, There's only one married couple in the family. Her dad had four wives. She left and went to go live in a group home as a child for a while. She's still embarrassed by it. She rarely tells people about it. She doesn't want to be judged. And Kat's uh, struggling childhood PTC was my Play, 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 play of the game. I really thought this turned it around for her. It bought back, for me anyway, it bought back all of the villain edit shit that they did uh, and all of her villainous play as well because it generated sympathy for her, which is something so far she's been unable to do this season. I was blown away by this play and it really does give you a peek into why she's such a good player. She does have that ability to become genuine, very sincere and play a high-level PTC like this despite all of the villainous shit that she's done Uh, throughout the course of the season. John Henry then says he appreciates the PTC play. He knows everyone has demons, he says. He offers his own PTC seven years ago. He had a little bit of depression and this is the first time that he's ever told anybody about it because she makes him feel so comfortable and uh, he thinks that they're going to be able to help each other with their struggles. He wants to be there for her. John Henry all-exes her. Seeing uh, what she made out of herself after the group home is his favorite thing about her. We get a kiss. John Henry ITMs that this was the perfect date for them. He's 100% all-in, definitely falling for her loaded love level three. He's ready for an Engagement cat ITMs that they all eggs and he sees her like she's wanted to be seen uh, by her person for so long. We get a kiss in the ocean with the golden light filter, they're getting the hero edit here, which lets you know they are going to get engaged. Cat ITMs being done with dating, she has found her person and she will possibly be engaged. And again, this whole second portion is devoted to turning cat's villain edit. Upside down, she is now the hero. She is now who you're supposed to be identifying with. This person who has been misunderstood and is now finding love. Well done by her here for pulling this out, for not only uh, taking John Henry from Olivia Lewis earlier in the season, but here now for getting him to see this deeper side of her that is going to ultimately lead him to do what he does in the very end. Portion three begins. Tanner is uh, laying on the ground with Jess. And we see a creature join them. This creature is a creature we have seen before. This creature was my creature of the week some weeks ago. And once again, Coco the dog is my (laughs) creature of the week. Coco the dog is not only cute, not only uh, does Coco know how to steal a scene, Coco is doing a massive amount of voluntary nudity play here, so much that Coco's genitalia and anus, which are so ample that at one point they require two black boxes to cover the entire situation, this genitalia, this anus become the stars of this scene. And for this ample genitalia play and anus play, as I said, Coco the dog was my creature of the week. Hats off to you, Coco. Uh, two creatures of the week in one season. You're of course going to be the creature of the season. There's no two ways about it. One-on-one time then begins with Jess and Tanner. She explains her family setup, and Tanner explains his family is super close. Tanner itms that he wants a date with Jess. Mercedes enters with a date card, and it's for Aaron B and Eliza. Tonight is about deepening your connection. Uh, they head out as B ITMs that they're talking about engagement. Olivia gets an ITM colorful narrator about what a deserving couple they are. We then get an all-player chat about how deserving they are. And that lets you know they're also going to get engaged. Kylie, then ITMs that their relationship makes her feel insecure because they even want, might not be as ready to propose to her as B clearly is to Eliza. We get this girl chat with Kylie and Mercedes. Kylie explains that she has a toxic habit of always looking for the next best thing. But she feels that Avon is the guy who makes her stop that search, but he might not be ready to propose. So we're building a wall for them here. Night falls. A woman blows a conch shell and blows on a fire to create smoke. Aaron B. and Eliza encounter this woman, and she introduces herself as Christina de la Paz, and she further explains that she will be their shaman for the evening. Christina de la Paz, this shaman was my... Jorge, 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 Jorge Moreno, bystander of the week. A lot of good bystanders to choose from this week. We had a full fucking mariachi band, but uh, Christina de la Paz, she's going to get it from me every time. I love a good um, spiritual shaman guru especially when it's the sweat lodge, which is a time honored tradition on paradise. uh, And we see that they are headed right to it. This is the same date that Victoria Fuller and Johnny D. Filippo went on last season. And I believe as mentioned in tonight's very episode, uh, Mari Pepin and Kenny Brash went on their season seven when they uh, met. So, we see Aaron and Eliza get smoked by the shaman, and Aaron itms nervousness about Eliza not love level threeing him back. They go into the sweat lodge, and Cristina De La Paz forces them to discuss their fears. Aaron B explains that he has a fear of not being loved back. And he prays for commitment and uh, jubilant, everlasting love. Eliza says she hopes they continue to choose each other. She ITMs that they've talked about family, but they haven't had the conversation yet about engagement. She's scared of giving her all and not having it reciprocated. They all sit on a blanket. uh, Sorry, then they sit on a blanket outside the sweat lodge. Aaron Love Level 3s her, falling more in love with her every day, sees an engagement, and sees himself getting on one niche he reciprocates that with another love level three she's falling in love with him too they both smile at each other eliza itms that this was what they needed to progress he could be her husband one day kiss they're in a hot tub kiss aaron b ends the portion with an itm saying it's giving forever and then we see uh a commercial for the golden wedding on january 4th after this portion which is going to be live it's going to be live i did not realize that this means anything goes. This means if you're invited to that fucking wedding, anything goes. Make it your show. Steal that show somehow. Get a portion dedicated to you and whoever you're there with. Braden Bowers, if you're listening, Christina Mandrell, if you're listening, I assume you're going to be at that wedding because of what you did, Braden Bowers, uh, talking to Gary at the after the final rows of your season. When he was there and brought out, you have developed a rapport uh, with him. Clearly, they like you guys. I think you're going to be there. And uh, there could be some play to be made. But nonetheless, it's going to be live. I can't wait for that. But let's discuss this uh, portion number three. What happens in this? We see almost none of this date. We also saw almost none of the John Henry cat date. A little bit of them flipping around off these things. Here we see a little bit of them doing uh, the, the spirit shaman stuff. Why aren't we seeing these dates? This episode is three fucking hours long. We saw nothing else of importance that happened in it other than the proposals. Give us some more of these fucking dates. I don't understand it. It's especially with these two couples. You want us to uh, want them to get married. You want us to be invested in this. We get nothing about them in these dates other than cat's PTC. The rest of it is just like, are you really gonna propose? I don't know. Okay, well, we gotta figure it out. I know. That's nothing. There's nothing here. Portion four begins. Nighttime. The players not on dates are at the bar doing shots and dancing. Sam P is wearing cowboy boots. Nice totting here, I thought. Cat and John Henry snuggle on a daybed and future cast a little bit with some location attacks and agreement to do this for real. They both say they would move to each other's place. We get some kiss. He's 100% in. Cat ITM is being deserving of this relationship and the love is growing. We get a close-up of hair being twirled. Now, I just want to pause here and say what happens in this next shot is a fucking work of art. It made for me the entire season of Bachelor in Paradise worth it. I just don't even know how to really describe it. I'm going to do my best. But we essentially see a close-up of a a hand twirling hair, twirling the end of a ponytail. And we pull out to see, you you think this hand belongs to the person who also is uh, wearing the hair. This is not correct. We pull out to see that it's Jess twirling Mercedes hair for an unprecedented dynamic duo nervous hair twirling play. A thing of beauty. And I don't know if this was done in post digitally zooming or if the camera operator had the wherewithal to get this shot, but it starts close on the hair twirling and then the slow pull out to reveal it's Jess twirling Mercedes hair. It was just so brilliantly done, so strange Uh, a moment that is just not commented on. It is presented for you to see as the fourth audience and take from it what you will. And what I took from it was genuine appreciation for this high level dynamic duo play. You're just not going to see stuff like this. I've never seen anything like this uh, in our beloved game. Not even close. Absolutely beautiful. Thank you to Jess and Mercedes for this um, unprecedented play. Olivia then ITM colorful narrations about Jess and Mercedes staying after Moines and Norris self-eliminated and it's put them in an awkward position. And uh, Olivia says, I'm just waiting for the next ball to drop. Then Kat comes to Jess and asks her to talk. Jess says she doesn't want to. And walks away to cry on the beach, producing tears. Mercedes ITMs not thinking she'd be in this situation. And it's hard because time is running out on the beach. One-on-one time then with Jess and Tanner on this daybed. Jess says she's had some shitty days and Tanner was the only one who made her feel seen. And the rose she gave him was because she was trying to be hopeful and put herself out there. But she hasn't been able to be her happy self at all. And it's not fair to either of them. Tanner's like, it's okay. No worries. You got to make the best decision for you in this moment. He doesn't have much of a play other than this, Honestly. You kind of have to support, you know, whatever decision she makes. You want to stay, but it's like, is it really feasible that she would take you to a fantasy suite or anything at this point? Probably not. So, uh, he says, no regrets. I just want to see you smile. He appreciates the conversation they had with Coco cause it was the most fun he's had in paradise. I'm like, dude, same. Uh, Justin then says she just wants to be at home and she, ITM's being lost, not uh, anticipating being the sad, and then she ultimately admits to Tanner that she's done with Paradise and Tanner ITMs that he feels bad for Jess in the moment. She has nothing left to give, even though she might feel something for him. Jess comes back to the group, uh, says she chooses herself, does what's best for her right now, hugs all around, tears everywhere, and she self-eliminates. Oof, that's a rough one. Definitely an error. I think you stick, even if you're in a point like this where it's like, eh, I don't really like this person, you stick around, you go to the end. And uh, you make a big show of either a rejected proposal or you do the fantasy suite and then you realize, ah, we're not going to go through with it. Something like this. You got a lot more screen time here if you want it. Um, Did Jess do enough for Paradise next year if they have it? I think so. I think she made herself a main character this season in a very good way by attaching herself to Moines uh, early on. And she was victimized, I feel like, enough in that edit that, yes, she, in quotes, deserves another chance. Kat then ITM tears and colorful narrates that Jess wanted to leave with someone so bad. Tanner leaves also. No choice really here for him. I guess, I mean, I don't know. You could have stuck around. I don't know who you're you're having that conversation with at that point. I guess, like, whoever you're tied to once it comes to the fucker flee round, which is what we are at now, uh, if they don't work out, you're pretty much gone. And he is. Everyone is sad now. Olivia ITM's tonight is sad and heavy. Kylie produces tears about not even getting to say goodbye. Olivia ITMs at the beach is falling apart. Very reminiscent, in my opinion, of Rodney Matthews leaving the beach last season and producing a group nervous breakdown. Portion five begins. It is nighttime. Kat and Kylie talk about how bad Paradise sucks now. This is what you want to do. Uh, anybody out there who's making a TV show, you definitely want your main characters of the TV show um, talking to each other about how much that TV show sucks. That's definitely something that you want to put in as much as you can. Your main characters telling your audience that the show they're watching is terrible. Kylie ITM's thinking Aven is the one, and she even brought an engagement dress, but she doesn't know where Avon is. She's going to do a forced precog. She has to get to the bottom of this. Is he going to propose or not? One-on-one time with Aven and Kylie. She asks him how he's feeling about getting engaged. He says, "Why is it an engagement specifically that she wants? Why can't him saying he wants to leave with her be enough?" He's never been happier, but because he doesn't know if he wants to get engaged, it's a big energy shift. He wants her to see his perspective. She's like, I see your fucking perspective, dude, and I don't like it. (laughs) She goes, it sucks, but whatever. Kylie ITM, she doesn't want to force him into engagement. She says, if you're not ready for it in here, are you going to be ready for it out there? You're almost 30 years old. It's discouraging. All of this is, um, you know... You got to take all of it, I feel like, with a grain of salt. They've known each other for a couple of weeks. I feel like he has a point. But also, that's not what this is, dude. This is a game. And the game ends with a fucking proposal. You know that going into paradise. I'll get to it. I'm getting ahead of myself. Back to their talk. He asked her what he can do. And she says, you're giving me false hope. She says, uh, imagine wanting something so badly. And he says, he didn't know she wanted it so badly. Even then ITMs that he knows she wants an engagement out of this but he would regret it if it didn't work out in the real world leaving kylie to cry in tears on the day by herself he walks away and says he's going to bed and this was my error 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 of the game, game. and he compounds it later every time he's given an opportunity to correct it. So I'm I'm giving the error here first in the first iteration of it. If you're going to do this and say, I don't know, I don't know, by the end, you better pull out the engagement. You better do the fucking ring. And he doesn't. Uh, so he starts this error here by objecting to the premise of the show, which is you come to paradise, you fall in love, and you fucking get engaged. That's what it is. Even if that falls apart, Fine. So be it. You get engaged. That's how you do this game. That's the only point of playing this game. So here, um, when faced with a simple question, are you going to propose to me? I don't know about that. Why is that the only thing that matters? At any rate, Kylie ITMs, if you don't see it now, I don't know if you ever will. And Kylie goes to get a triple STCO from Kat, Sam P and Mercedes all simultaneously fantastic STCO work here from the ladies as Avon walks off in the distance. ITMing as much as he believes in her, he cannot compare it to shifting into the real world, but he doesn't want to lose her. He doesn't know where to go from here. And then he stomps into the shadows and says, it's always about a fucking ring. And I just wrote, correct, Avon, this is The Bachelor. There is literally a product placement shot of Neil Lane diamond rings in every season of every show. Past uh, when do they start using Neil Lane? 14, I think. Um, that's what it is. That's what you signed up for. And I he did know. He he cannot claim that he did not know what he signed up for with the ring. He has already been through a rookie season of Bachelorette. He knows what this is about. Portion six begins. Daytime. Uh Mercedes reveals to Kat that she didn't know where bananas come from, but she likes them warm and mushy. Cat likes hers hard. Mercedes likes hers limp. We get a funny little moment um, between them. This is the most character we've gotten from any players all season. I would have loved to have seen more of this, but instead, boom, that's it. Get out on the joke and get back to telling us nothing. Cat, ITM, Colorful Narrates, all the different couple situations, which we all know because we've been watching the show. So Cat says, Aaron B and Eliza, going strong, John Henry... And her are strong. And she recounts the entire scene we saw right before the fucking commercial. Mercedes that gets in this ITM colorful narration to recap what Kat just recapped. It's just this tonnage of people telling us shit we just saw. And then another person telling us shit someone else just told us about something we just saw. It's absolutely unbelievable. And again, why didn't we get more of the one-on-one dates? Because they need to do things like this, apparently. Kylie then leaves a group chat about how well the other dates went. Kylie ITMs how horrible the prior night was because Avon left when things got hard, and Kylie tells Mercedes that she doesn't want to force him into a decision he doesn't want to make, but she does want to get engaged, and now she's certain to think maybe he led her on. Avon sits next to Kylie and asks her, what's up? And She says she doesn't want to talk about it here. I'm like, what do you mean? In paradise by the swimming pool? I don't know exactly what she's talking about here. Kylie wonders out loud in an ITM. What will it take to get even to the point of readiness to get engaged on a reality show after knowing someone for two weeks? That's really the question she's asking when it's like, what's it going to take him to be ready? There's a complete dismissal of the fact, again, that they have met each other about two weeks ago. This is all on a reality show in this strange, hostile situation where players are setting you up to succeed or fail. I understand his uh, hesitation in wanting to propose. Unfortunately, again, this ain't the real world, dude. You're in this game. So any kind of logic does not apply. Then we see some feet on the stairs. Mari and Kenny enter the beach. Now, it's interesting here. uh, Pace Case and I predicted this, I think from the promos at the beginning of this season, that it was going to be Mari and Kenny, Kenny Brash and Mari Pepin, who get married here on the beach. They're already married, by the way. And I'll get to that in just a second. Despite them being a couple, Olivia still gets in an ITM saying how hot they are. They get the exact same edit, basically, that anybody coming down the stairs gets. So hot. Oh, shit. I'm threatened. Oh, shit. I'm not. And cat ITMs, she's their biggest fan. So they're, they're paradise uh, royalty. And then Marie and Kenny address the group and explain their engagement was two years ago, right there in VIP season seven. And they say it was important for them to face adversity in paradise to work in the real world. So they're hitting home this theme that the producers are ramming down our throat this entire episode, that it's like, you gotta have these hard conversations and go through the tough stuff so that you can get to the end and be like Mari and Kenny, look, it worked for them. They further explain that they're there to get married today and Kat delivers a full eye, full mouth aperture, shocked expression for my... Face p- p- play of the g- g- game. Cat has really been turning in strong face play this whole season. There's a bunch of good face players here. Uh, I think just because she has more screen time, she lasted in the game longer than Kat, the other Kat, um, who I think was probably the best face player, maybe in the history of the game. Just a, a super insanely good face player. But Kat Izzo here has been turning in great face play all season. And here she got my face play at the game in the finale. So after this astounding face play, Kenny and Mari, uh, oh yeah, sorry, they they said they're getting married. Now, they got married very publicly on November 14th during what People Magazine called an intimate wedding ceremony held at Hacienda Don Carmelo in Puerto Rico. I say People Magazine because they sold the pictures and the story of that wedding to People Magazine. If you follow The Bachelor at all, You've already seen that. So the wedding they're now going to have in Paradise is a joke. There is nothing important about it. Even though chronologically, I believe it would have happened before the the wedding that they had that they sold to People Magazine, I think. I could be slightly off on that. Yeah, because this was shot at the end of the summer, basically. So... They did this thing in Paradise first, then they had their real wedding in Puerto Rico. But the Puerto Rico wedding is already all over the internet. We have covered this on Game of Roses. We did it in Twibbon whenever it happened back in early November. So um, this wedding that they're now putting in the show has zero impact, at least in my opinion. It did for me anyway. Uh, we know that it's a completely fake wedding, that they're just doing it for the cameras here. Nonetheless, they further explain that everybody's invited to this wedding, all these complete strangers. Everyone agrees that it's great to see them getting married because they went through so much adversity. And Kylie ITMs that and Kennedy are exactly what she wants to be, and she hopes they will show Avon how paradise works. Portion 7 begins its day, and the beach is decorated for a wedding. Not extensively decorated, uh, but decorated nonetheless. We see a few benches and some paper streamers and balloons and a couple of blankets on the benches. And that's about all you're going to get from this paradise wedding. They also have a mariachi band who in many other episodes would have been my Jorge Miranda bystanders of the week, but we did have a a spirit guide. The couples enter the wedding setup. Coco, the dog is even brought out to join in the fun. That was my creature of the week. Good to see Coco again. No black box here. Coco kept it classy for the wedding. Everyone agrees that this is a special moment. Cat ITMs that there are some strong couples and some not so strong couples. And the wedding will make people realize if they're ready for an engagement on sand. When you see a wedding, it immediately gives you clarity about are you ready to propose on sand as well? We all know this. DLP emerges, takes his place at the wicker table with some shells on it. That's the wedding altar. A wicker table with a couple of shells. Kenny then emerges. I thought he was gonna have Kenny and Mari like blow into the shells, like they did not do that though this was a missed opportunity. Kenny emerges takes his place at the altar. Kylie ITMs that it will be hard to watch someone else get what she wants so badly. She's disappointed in Avon. She wishes she wouldn't have all eggs so fast. Maybe there were other connections that she overlooked. Blake Moynes gets a return to sand as Kenny's best man. Oh, very interesting for a couple of reasons. One, we know that when they dismiss these players, some of them, they don't dismiss them. When you get in the back of that car, It's taking you back to the hotel. From there, they're either going to take you to the airport or they're going to lock you in your fucking room until they need to use you again. Here we see that Moines was locked in his room. He is brought out now, uh, given the ability to taste freedom once again. But it does have crown vibes, in my opinion. The fact that they brought him out like this, if you looked on Mari's side, the only person there for her was fucking Wells. Um, It does give him more screen time. I'm talking about Moines here. And it does show a little bit of favoritism from producers. Is this because he's in the running for crown? And my belief is, yes, my belief is he is in this pool of players um, that sometimes you languish in forever. I think Peter Krauss was in the same pool for a time and I think probably has aged out of it now. But there is this pool of players that were never crowned that could have been from their season. And they stick around. They, they pop up in other seasons like Moines did, like The Great One did. They pop up in Paradise like Moines just did, like The Great One did. They maintain relevance within the nation for so long that they build up a volume of work that is undeniable. And if conditions are right, if in the next season of Bachelorette that's going to uh, very likely be a Bachelorette that comes from Grazia Day's upcoming season 28, if that Bachelorette season doesn't produce an obvious standout bachelor, somebody who gets victimized very badly in second or third place, somebody who, you know, pops off the screen and is like, oh shit, who is that? If it doesn't produce a player like that, or it does, but that player refuses to be the bachelor for one reason or another, can't meet financial demands, whatever, whatever. Blake Moynes, I believe, is at the top of the list for utility bachelor. If again, if they don't produce somebody out of the next season of Bachelorette who's willing to do it and has whatever qualities they're looking for. I think Moines is the first call they make. I think he's done enough this season to solidify that position. Mercedes gets an ITM about Kylie liking Blake. We saw the strange moment of them at the car when Blake self-eliminated, where Kylie was super sad for some reason. Are they implying a late game switcheroo here? Homie hopping, as they called it, Uh, for Kylie to move to Blake. This was like a, in my opinion, a not really good enough edit to really mislead us. It just seemed like they're trying to throw anything they can in this, this season to make it interesting. Doesn't work here. The mariachi band plays the wedding March. Mari emerges and Olivia ITMs that she's a stunning goddess. DLP speaks some words of wisdom about paradise. And he makes a joke about Kenny coming to paradise naked, which prompts our first shot of Wells Adams, who is seen sitting by himself laughing at this joke. The only person to do so. And we know what his sense of humor is. He believed the funniest moment from this season was when Kat and John Henry got obliterated by a wave. Kenny and Mari then read some vows to each other about falling in love in paradise. Olivia produces tears and ITMs that everyone wants the exact same thing as they exchange rings. ITMs that he is now thinking about his relationship with Sam P. Differently. Eliza gets an ITM about being serious with Aaron. Kat gets an ITM about her relationship with John Henry. Aaron ITMs his feelings about precogging. And DLP uh finally uses his dark energies after this long montage of people watching the wedding and being like, now I've got an ITM about my relationship. DLP finally uses his dark energy to unite Mari and Kennedy in unholy matrimony, and they seal it with a dark kiss. Again this wedding is meaningless. Their real wedding has uh, already taken place and been covered in people magazine. They were paid to do so. We all saw that. We all read that. So watching it here on this show is meaningless to us. It has no weight. Uh, It was a bad, bad decision. I think for them to do this and they had to have known that people magazine was going to cover the real wedding. I'm sure they knew that DLP then says they're all going to a reception, not just any reception. It's going to be a rave that perked my ears up. I'm a big EDM aficionado. A lot of people don't know that about me, but uh, I do love some dubstep. I was hoping to hear a little res at this rave reception, and instead, we didn't get that. Kylie puts her arm around Blake as they're walking away from this, and she ITMs how crazy it is that Blake just showed up because she's been wanting to talk to him. Very crazy indeed, Kylie. <laughs> I'm sure the producers had nothing to do with it. Blake was just living in the forest outside of the uh, paradise there, just waiting for this wedding, waiting for his time to return. Grazi then has a promo with footage from his charity proposal not working out in between these segments. I thought that was interesting. So in these multiple promos that they're showing, they showed a bunch of Grazi throughout the the course of this tonight. In multiple of them, though, they were all different. They didn't repeat one. It was all, I thought, well done. Whoever is is doing marketing now for Bachelor is like I think they're learning some shit from Golden. Maybe it's the same people now, but I I am thoroughly enjoying how they are promoting Grazi's upcoming season, and uh, I think it's going to be a great season. We well, I mean we'll get to the promo that occurred later in the show, but I really got to say hats off to him on that. Bachelor in Paradise is a steaming pile of shit, but everything else they have done, starting with Charity Lawson season twenty. Golden Bachelor, and now how they're promoting Grazia Day's 28, Bachelor 28, I'm fucking in. I got to tell you, this is the, I I feel like the best work that they have done in a long time, and Golden, I think, is the best work they've ever done. Um, so I hope that that continues, and I hope Bachelor in Paradise is just kind of a blip on the radar, ultimately. Hopefully, I think Bachelor in Paradise Season 9, specifically, we will remember as such. And if it comes back for a Season 10, I mean, it can't be worse. Hopefully, it will be much better. Portion eight begins. Everybody's getting ready for this rave party with prop clothing and accessories. We get this low-rent EDM needle drop. There's no res here. They're not paying any real EDM musician for any big songs here. And everybody at the party is dancing around. Mari and Kenny cut their cake. Olivia gets the ITM cold narration of the entire event, states the thesis of the show in this. This is the part where we celebrate love. And this is what the the function of these big parties at the end of the season is exactly what she's saying here. These players have been through it all. I mean, some more than others, obviously, especially if you think back through history, like, uh, Daniel Maltby and, um, Michael, I've had a little medicine. My, my apologies, (laughs) Michael Alio. They didn't have to experience a lot of the trials and tribulations. They just got to have a love story and a good edit, but many other players do not experience these things and they get ground down to the fucking bone by the end of this goddamn season. And so they have this party where it's like all the big people have now left uh, the self eliminations and you've all had your group nervous breakdown. Now you get to go get drunk, dance around and this is it. This is like the, the big blowout. I like these parties at the end. I think narratively they work. It's just about how they present them and what they force certain players to do. Are there going to be any forced breakups like they did with young Noah Herb and Abigail Herringer, who at the end of this very fucking episode, they show are engaged. God, I can't wait till we get to the end of the the episode with that montage, that that little uh, the where are they now fucking thing. Oh, what a train wreck. All right. So we see Kenny throws the garter to the guys and Wells inexplicably does a voiceover. Whoever catches this is going to get engaged next why is he doing this? All of this is off-face. There was so much shit played off-face from like ITM interviews. They played we'll get to it. Just Gerard's exit speech was an off-face ITM voiceover. I mean, just the worst, laziest fucking producing imaginable. They're not even showing you the people say their most important lines of the finale. Absolutely terrible. But this is kind of where it started. Aaron Uh, caught the garter. Eliza Eliza catches the bouquet. So they're going to get married. We know there's a tarot reader there. Aaron ITMs that he he feels like the end of the year prom. Blake calls his penis a rat, not a mouse. When Wells says, you better keep that mouse in the house. He's like, my penis is not a mouse. It's a rat. Kenny gets on the mic and says he hopes this was inspiration for the remaining players and they should all trust their gut. Um, Interesting choice of words as we'll see later. Mercedes gets in an ITM a colorful narration about Kylie still being upset with Evan not wanting to propose. And then Kylie pulls Blake for a talk. We see this one on one time with Kylie and Blake, her best friend slash maybe romantic interest that they're uh, kind of shitting us on about. She explains when he left, she got upset, but clearly he didn't leave. He was there in the hotel the whole time. All you had to do is pull out an Ivan Hall and go track him down. She says, since he left, things have gone to shit. She says her and Avon are putting up a facade. She's ready for an engagement and he's not. She feels stupid. She wonders if these are red flags. This is intercut with Avon having a group chat with Kenny, Mari, and John Henry about not being ready for a proposal, even though Kylie's a great person. Kenny tells him you shouldn't pass up an opportunity because a few things aren't right. Avon idms not knowing what to do. And uh, Blake basically tells Kylie that she's got to like follow it through. Stay true to herself. Follow this through. And Kylie ITM is having a fresh perspective on it now. She says she knows what she deserves. And if he won't propose, she can't see a future with him. So we're putting up this false wall. All the walls tonight were false. This, this was like a bad job, narratively, of building these stories to any satisfying end.
1: Have you ever experienced a dry, itchy scalp or wondered why your color isn't lasting as long as your hairdresser promised? I always am. Well, unfiltered, mineral-filled water could be the reason why. Did you know hard water is a leading cause of damaged hair and dry, irritated skin? And that about 85% of the U.S. uses hard water filled with dissolved minerals and added chlorine. That's where Canopy's new filtered showerhead comes in.
0: Canopy. Go to Canopy.co to save $25 on your Canopy filtered showerhead purchase today with Canopy's hassle-free filter subscription. Even better, everybody listening to Game of Roses can use the code ROSES at checkout to save an additional 10% off your Canopy purchase. Hurry, your hair and skin will thank you.
1: Clues. I quit bras during the pandemic. I said no more They're not comfortable. I'm being comfy as a lifestyle. Um, And I couldn't picture a bra that would exist that I would wanna wear. But today's sponsor, Honey Love, has revolutionized the bra game. They don't have underwire, they don't have bulky fabrics, and they are so soft. Basically feels like a second skin, which is the only type of bra I will be wearing in the year year of our gore 2024. I got the crossover bra, the black runway one. It has this cute, like, mesh that adds peekaboo mesh that adds this very sexy touch. So it's like, doesn't look like it's, you know, a comfortable bra, but it is. And I guess I'm a bra person again. It turns out.
0: Well, congrats, Pace Case. I know it's a big step for you. Mm-hmm. Right now, you can treat yourself to the best bras on the market and save 20% off at honeylove.com roses. Use that exclusive link to get 20% off honeylove.com roses. After you purchase, they're going to ask you where you heard about them. Please support Game of Roses and tell them we sent you. Treat yourself to Honeylove because you deserve it.
1: Clues, I got to be honest. I didn't know much about wine until we got First Leaf as a sponsor. And this is a wine club. Love to be in a club. They have amazing wines and exclusive perks. This is First Leaf membership. I filled out the quiz. I answered these questions. They sent me the things that were tailor suited to me, including the Dita Akello 2022 Shiraz Rosé from Southeastern Australia.
0: Shiraz.
1: Rosé all day, baby. It's one of my favorite types of wine. When you're celebrating, you know, February, the month of love, I love to have it. It'll be even better for springtime. Rosé is the color of spring, I always say. But I'm thankful to First Leaf that I got to try it.
0: With First Leaf, you get to choose when you want your box delivered and how often you get new assortments of wine. You get to be part of that wine club Pace Case was talking about, which is going to give you access to their incredibly helpful wine concierge. So if you want wine pairing advice, you want to talk about the wines you're getting in your box, you can always talk to one of their experts. Plus, you get that member exclusive pricing on every order. Join the club today and discover new wines you'll love with First Leaf. Go to tryfirstleaf.com slash roses to get your first box. That's T-R-Y-F-I-R-S-T-L-E-A-F dot com slash roses. Tryfirstleaf.com slash roses. We'll start to get this in this next section. Portion nine, I believe in this next section. Yeah. Portion nine begins. Night, full moon. Olivia and Michael discuss how the wedding got them thinking about their own futures. They both agree that they're happy where they're at. He says he made the right decision in picking her. They get a little kiss here. P. P. And Sam P. Get a tarot reading that says their relationship is going to work one-on-one time with Kat and John Henry. They both agree it's been effortless together and so good. Cat ITMs that Mari and Kenny's wedding reception is hands down the best thing that's ever stepped on the beach. And Kylie pulls Aven as she ITMs that she wants to be engaged or nothing. She needs Avon to step up. He needs to make a decision. So this conversation, we know he's already made the error of telling her he doesn't want to get engaged in the first conversation. Now he's got a chance here to reverse it. Will he do that? Fuck no. He compounds it. He says, uh, she had time to, ref- or sorry, Kylie says she had time to reflect on everything. Sorry. Avon says he had time to reflect on everything. And he realized that he's nervous. But his feelings for her are very strong. that's a love level one. He doesn't want to lose her. He wants to start a life with her outside of this and he's falling in love with her. That's a love level three. But as far as the engagement, he needs more outside of this before he takes that step. He's just being honest and that honesty is an error. He hopes that's enough, he says she says, uh, I'm also falling in love with you love level three. but the engagement solidifies so many things for me and if you can't do what I have doubt, He says, is an engagement the only way you can commit to a person? Kylie says, she has heard all she needs to move forward. He says, you won't sacrifice that for me. And she's like, you won't sacrifice it for me. And she breaks down, tears here. Avon says he's excited about their relationship outside of this, and they can make it work. And Mercedes pulls Kylie for this STCO girl chat. And Avon ITMs that he thinks he's met the love of his life, and he wants to start a life together. But if she's willing to throw it away over this, then it's up to her to decide if it's worth it. And in this uh, girl chat, Kylie tells Mercedes that he loved level 3 but he knew from the beginning he wasn't going to propose. She says she's put it all on the line multiple times and she's not doing desperate anymore. This was just so uh, boneheaded of Avon to make this play. I get what he's saying again. He's he's looking at the the reality of it, but you have to look at it from the game perspective. You are going to come across as something of a villain here even though we see in the end, they're happily working on their relationship or whatever. He hasn't like played the game correctly. He has broken the narrative of what a successful couple in this world is. And I believe even if they wind up getting married and having a kid, they will be seen as less than in the pantheon of uh, couples who did get engaged from paradise and are now together with the exception of course, of Becca Cooper and big body. All that said, let's move on portion 10. And by the way, portion 10 is usually where a normal episode, a normal two-hour episode ends. (laughs) I remember typing portion 10 and just having like a Pavlovian reaction. Oh, I'm almost done. Nope. Motherfucker, you ain't even close. It's daytime. The couples don't talk about the bad vibes of the morning. Mercedes says she felt no spark with Jordan at the rave. Oh my God. one on one time with Mercedes and Jordan Mercedes says there's nothing romantic. and I'm leaving. Jordan walks the jungle path. He's out to Mercedes ITM's tears and hatred at how it's ending for her. She hugs Kylie, who produces tears. She gets in a car and they take her back to the hotel. And Jordan, I guess, is gone as well. We don't see any, anything more of him other than uh, him going down the jungle path. And so this begins uh, what will essentially be a cascade of dumps. DLP then. Um, emerges and he forces everybody into the rose plop and he tells them there were 18 hopeful sing- singles starting this thing. This is not... That's how many first sands there were, basically. First sand round. There were many more than that. There was 40-something ultimately he played. Um, people came. People left. Here, let me see if I can give you that exact number, actually. This may take me a moment. Bear with me. I'm going into my BIP data grid. There were, on the season... Looks like 30 players. Aaron S., Olivia Lewis, Samantha Jeffrey, Sean McLaughlin, Kat Carter, Aaron Bryant, Peter Capio, Mercedes Northup, Kylie Russell, Braden Bowers, Will Arena, Greer Blitzer, Kat Izzo, Brooklyn Willie, Eliza Isachi Jessica Gerard, Blake Moines, Rachel Recchia, Avon Jones, Tanner Quartet, Tyler Norris, John Beresh, John Henry. What's his last name? Spurlock. I didn't know that. John Henry Spurlock, Sam Pico, Davia Bunch, Genevieve Mayo, Becca Serrano, Michael Barber, Jordan Vandegrift, and Taylor Pegg, who got in two lines this season. Jesus Christ. So there were 30 players, but those initial 18 were, uh, I won't read them all again, but Rachel Recchia from that list was the last one in the list uh, that I just read. So he says, there are 18 hopeful singles started this thing. People came, people left, 10 people left uh, in the whole group. The five couples that made it to the end of paradise, but now paradise is over. What's next is the fuck or flee phase. Everyone must ask the hard questions about taking the next step. And that hard next step is going to a fantasy suite, which essentially means, are you going to get engaged or not? But not really. You can go to a fantasy suite and not get engaged. So are you going to go to the fantasy suite or say goodbye? If you both want to move forward, you can go to the fantasy suites. If not, get the fuck out. Olivia ITM is wanting to have deep conversations with Michael, and she future futurecasts a little. She can see a life with him outside of this. Kylie ITM's knowing the conversation with Avon was coming, and she's embarrassed uh, to say it, but she was praying that he would wake up and decide to propose to her on a reality show after knowing her for two weeks. Now, something that's interesting about this is you saw the, the only two dates that we had in... By the way, this was a three-hour episode. There were two dates. Both of them are the couples who got engaged. They could have thrown more people dates to throw us off, make it actually suspenseful. They tell you every step of the way in this edit and in the decision to only give dates to those people, or if they gave dates to other people, they didn't show it in the episode. So even if they had the wherewithal while there to say, give dates to everybody and we'll see what we use, they only use the dates from the people that are getting engaged. There is no drama in this because you're not, there's no mystery. There's no questioning like, oh shit, are they really going to get married or not? They tell you every step of the way in the edit exactly what's happening. And so we are now left with uh, everybody that we know is going to break up basically. And so we see uh, in portion 11 here, daytime, we open on a girl chat talking about how guys can surprise you, Sam P. ITMs, that they all have to have the hard conversations and Olivia forces this round table where she's like... (laughs) Kylie, how are you feeling? Sam, how are you feeling? Kylie says she's feeling discouraged and doubtful. She once she was excited in the beginning and ready when she first came to Paradise, but now she and Avon are on opposite ends of the spectrum. Producers send Aaron B in to pull Eliza from this conversation, and we get this one-on-one time with Aaron B and Eliza. Uh, it's an all exing Let's do this together. Kiss. Hero score. You know they're getting married or getting engaged. Sorry, Sam. Or sorry, Kylie tells Sam P. Everything she's told every everybody else about wanting to get engaged and Avon not wanting to, Kylie itms that he's showing her the signs that she should run, but she's still trying to make it work. But if he won't propose, then she doesn't know. And we get this big chunk here of one on one time with Kylie and Avon. Avon starts. He says he continues to go to their foundation in the beginning, and he's hopeful for how much they have in common and all the things he loves about her and everything he wants to get to know outside of this. And he knows how important the ring is to her, but he doesn't want that to be the reason. They don't give it a shot. So he's basically saying, I'm still not going to fucking propose to you. I don't care how much you want it. I don't care if that's the, the whole point of this game. This is like showing up to uh, an NBA game. And they're like, okay, um, you have to now dribble the ball. And he's like, fuck you. I'm not going to dribble. I love basketball as much as anybody out here. But if you make me dribble, it can't just be about the dribbling. She says, if he's so sure about her, why won't he do this? There's a disconnect. It makes her feel embarrassed because she felt so safe and vulnerable with him and he can't even have an open mind about proposal. She produces tears here. You were willing to take the next steps with Rachel and do fantasy suites with her. And Avan goes, why are we even talking about Rachel? <laughs> Avon, it's because Kylie's playing the game and she says, you got to this point in the game with someone else. Why can't you do it with me, you dumb fuck? That's She's trying to make you remember you're in a reality franchise, dude. He just doesn't get it. Um, and so she says, you were in that headspace, but now you're not willing to get in that headspace with me. I thought this was a fantastic play. She's trying to tell him without actually saying it. Dude, fucking get real. We got to get engaged on this fucking show. Why the hell else are we on this show? We we have the ability to take it all the way. Let's go all the way. But he won't do it. Even asked her one, one question. He's like, be straight up. If we don't in- get engaged, are we done? And he says he's upset because everything else is irrelevant besides this engagement. She says it's not the engagement that she knows it's him and he doesn't know the same thing. That's what is is getting to her. He maintains he wants a relationship outside of this. She asks him why he's so against the proposal. He says it's not the only way he measures a real relationship. He wants a life with her and he's excited about that. He wants to be in a relationship with her and he's falling in love with her. Love level three. And it will really hurt if she decides to end everything over this. They agree they don't want to lose each other. He says, so what are we going to do? And she says at the end of the day, she can't see herself walking away from him. He says, when we get out of here, we'll get to that point very soon, kind of implying I will propose to you eventually. She says she has to be okay with them staying together without an engagement, even though she doesn't want to. And uh, I couldn't believe that that he got away with this. I still think it was the biggest error in the game, and he just got very lucky. Um In any normal circumstance, I think Kylie really does have genuine, sincere feelings for him. Otherwise, this it blows up because now she gets to kind of like, uh, you know, be the victim in the situation a little bit on social media. But she sticks with him here. Good for her. Good for them. Apparently, they're still happy together. And we see all the other players are watching them walk away from the conversation, trying to see if they're still holding hands or not. Are they walking out? What are they doing? And indeed, they are walking out. He puts her in a car and gets her in a car with her. They leave as a couple. I'm like, what? Is that the show? That's got to be the producers forcing them out like that, right? Can't you at that point say we're not going to get engaged, but we want to do the fantasy suite? Like, why can't they go to the fantasy suite? You have to either have an open mind, as they're saying about proposing, or you have to tell the producers I'm going to propose in order to get a fantasy suite. I did not understand this. And it, it's a blurry line of the rules of Paradise. And I know they say there's no rules to them or to any of these games, but specifically they say, like, I don't know how to do Paradise. There's not a rule book. Clearly there is. Clearly, this couple's not allowed to stay. They have love level three at each other. They have said they are going to have a relationship outside of this. You even at the end of the show, show us that they do have one outside of it. Why are they not allowed a fantasy suite? I don't understand this. I also don't understand Paradise generally. Look, this is just my little rant on Paradise. Here's something that's got to change. Paradise. I think we have seen this format of set up a love triangle on day one between three players that we don't care about. And the love triangle doesn't seem genuine anyway. And it never fucking is. Set that up on day one. Uh, throw in a weird truth box or a Sally's suitcase or a fucking poop baby or whatever. Uh, Take your most important couples, the ones who hook up very early and have a genuine connection. Edit them out of the fucking show so that we don't give a fuck about them by the end of of the season. I'm talking about, in this case, Aaron B and Eliza. We've seen it. We've seen it for like three seasons in a row now. Big nervous breakdown when a, a second audience favorite leaves and everybody says the whole beach is sad and this experience sucks. Have the players shitting on your show while they're in it. We've seen it. And it's clearly not working. What needs to be done in my opinion, is very simple. You put a game element into this and not one that has anything to do with the romance or sticking together or whatever. You simply make it this. You enter paradise uh, and you get a sleeping bag and that's it. Then you have to couple up and do challenges like in Perfect Match and for every challenge you win, you get some new shit. Now instead of the sleeping bag, you get to sleep in a palapa. Now instead of a palapa, you get to sleep in like a boom boom room. Now, instead of that, you get a fucking penthouse suite. You give them creature comforts for the shit they win, and you'll have other people uh, getting jealous of them and shit. It'll up the rivalry. It's a very simple fix to add a new layer of drama to this formula that has, at this point, not only become tired, it just doesn't work because the players aren't like, they can see it coming. They can smell when they're about to get a villain edit. They literally fucking run away. We saw it with Becca Serrano. She has now come out and said that she felt, or or I think it was Susie Evans and Nick Vial were saying this on his podcast, that uh, she was claiming she felt that she was held hostage there. And as soon as she gets the opportunity to leave, she's just like, no more footage. Fuck you, I'm out. So you need to change these things. At any rate, that was just my rant. Thank you for indulging me. Let me now see if I can find where I was in my notes. So they leave together as he whispers to her that it's going to be okay, he promises, and he tells her that he's going to do everything he can to prove to her he was telling the truth about starting a relationship with her. Kylie then ITMs that she had to do what she felt was right. Love is about taking these risks. This could be her biggest heartbreak, but she won't know until she takes that risk. Couldn't have been more anticlimactic. In my opinion, this is probably, to me, This was one of the most interesting couples of this season. I wanted to see them fully go all the way. And uh, we were deprived of that. I think because of producers pushing them into this strange self-elimination right before the fantasy sweep. Nonetheless, we move on. Portion 12 begins. Daytime, one-on-one time. We got Kat and John Henry here. They're on the same page. Let's do the damn thing. So that's that. We know they're getting married. Then we get this one-on-one time with... P p and Sam p that was my my best singing work. Thank you. This scene, by the way, this PP and Sam p scene was um, it was interesting. I think what was happening here well, let's we'll roll through it and then I'll give you my <laughs> my examination of it. So PP is thankful and grateful for Sam p. She wowed him with her charisma, energy, vibrations, and aura. I didn't know that he was into the woo-woo. He values and cares about her. That's a love level one. And he says that she owes him and herself honesty. And uh, then she says, when I'm looking at the other couples and what I wanted... Um, this is where we should have been. We should have been further along, like where these other couples were to be honest. And she's like, I want an intense unwavering love. I'm grateful for our time here, but it doesn't feel right to continue the relationship at all. She throws in at all. And then, uh, she tears and this is a dump. They hug PP Itm's that he was shocked by the outcome off face. And, uh, yeah, this was played off face. This was one of those exit ITMs that you just don't get to see them talking. And he gets in the car, and his excer- expert speech, his exit speech, sorry, is he wants this person, it sucks. He went to 12 weddings last year. <laughs> and he has the ability to hook up with whoever he wants, whenever he wants. Fucking pee pee. <laughs> but he wants one of those 12 weddings to be his. Okay. <laughs> That was my favorite line of the fucking whole show. Uh, maybe the whole season. Thank you, PP, for delivering such a fucking beautiful line there. He produces tears and Sam P gets no exit speech whatsoever. So I think what was happening here was PP was playing the game. I don't believe that he was like really in love with Sam P or anything like that. I think he was like, yeah, fuck it. Let's do this fake engagement. And she was just like, no, dude, fuck this. I'm out. I think that's probably what happened there. Olivia, then ITM's having had a hard journey in paradise, she feels broken, but Michael is different. They connect on so many levels. She wants to come to an agreement about how they're leaving, and she doesn't think they'll get engaged, but she does want it to work. This is an interesting, very level-headed play. Obviously, she has done the most this season. I think she has worked the closest with producers in terms of kind of doing what they want. Um, and this is kind of like an interesting turn for her. It's like a reality turn. It's like a level-headedness turn. You know, she's been doing some bombastic shit. I mean, we saw in the, the recap, she's asking Will Urena to suck her toes on day one. This is a different person. This is saying, this relationship is real, and I'm going to treat it as such. And I know it's shorter than the rest. So there's like a reverence to the game, to the process in this as well. She's basically saying, we haven't been here long enough uh, to warrant that level. We didn't make it. We didn't have enough time. But it is real. I did take the emotion seriously. We know that's 4TRR. And so in this way, she's saying in a 4 tr way, it worked for me. I just didn't have enough time. I thought it was a brilliant little play here. So we get this one-on-one time with Michael and Olivia. She says she's been holding feelings back, but it's their last day. So here goes nothing. She hasn't felt nervous about a guy in a long time. She can see herself outside of paradise with him. She feels strongly for him. Love level one. Michael thanks her for not holding herself back. And he says in his time here, He's appreciative of the time they shared, but he's a realist. Anytime somebody throws that into anything they're saying to you, but I'm a realist. Listen, I'd uh, love to buy this sandwich from you, but I'm a realist. It just means you're not going to do whatever you're talking about. And so he throws that in there. This was a hard one to watch too. He says he doesn't want to give her false hope or that he's leading her on. And their worlds are in two different places. He doesn't think they should have a relationship or go to fantasy suites. Interesting that he put it in that order. Um, This is a dump. And Olivia Lewis, in my opinion, the greatest player of this season, is gone. Olivia maintains her right to remain silent here. She has no hard feelings, but she simply gets up and leaves. She understands her work here is done. She is no longer playing this game and therefore makes no more plays. The other players see her walking away solo. Olivia gets in her car and this is her exit speech. Producers ask her if she's okay. She's like, I'm good. I don't feel great. I'm sad. And then it's all voiceover. None of this is in the car. So you know that she didn't give them the footage you know that when she got in that car, like I said, game over. I'm not playing anymore because they have to cobble together. Frank and Bitten all to shit, this voiceover. As she's driving away, she's like, "Uh, if I was a crier, I'd cry right now. Is there... She says she's there for other people. Will someone be there for her? She hopes so. And that's it. That's the last we're going to see of Olivia Lewis. Thank you, Olivia. For this season that you turned in, I gotta say, I know that nobody on this season saw any big social media bumps from the work they put in, and I know the ratings of the season were down, but Jesus Christ, the season you turned in is a thing of beauty. It is a work of art. It will go down, in my opinion, in the history of Bachelor in Paradise as one of the greatest single seasons ever played, and to come from... uh the status in your rookie season that you did to turn in a a performance like this, you know, unfortunately, I don't think you're going to be up there with like a grocery store, Joe, but fuck, you did some hardcore playing this season. And I sincerely appreciated it because without you, I don't even know what this season would have been portion 13 day, empty beach chairs, DLP returns to talk to the remaining couples of which there are now only two after this dumping, uh festival that occurred in portion 12, it's Kat and John Henry and Eliza and Aaron B. DLP says he sees two happy couples, and that's what paradise is all about. It's a special second chance at love. And he tells them that they will be going to fantasy suites to have important conversations. Didn't we literally just see that? One important conversation after another. These we saw multiple important conversations on the one-on-one dates with these two couples. It doesn't make sense. That's what I'm saying. You just gotta, you just gotta overhaul. You gotta tighten this fucker up. You got to get rid of a couple of things. You got to add in this new mechanic that puts in a competition that doesn't have to do with money. And that's it. And this thing will be tuned up. It'll be ready to roll again. What you got now ain't working. This ain't it. It's like a double hit. They just had important conversations. Now Jesse Palmer's like, now you got to have the really important conversations. What the fuck? Anyway, he says, this is the last time they're going to be there as a group because the next time he sees them will be at their own final rose ceremonies. The final couples walk and surf together and they wonder if they're ready for the next step as the sun sets. Night, Kat and John Henry arrive at their hotel. They come into the room. They do a little, I love Clevelanding here. A little bit of kiss. Kat ITMs that she's scared to have this big conversation, but he's worth it. We see their one-on-one time. Kat says it's been nothing but exciting and amazing and she sees qualities in him that she can see long-term. He feels the same way. She says, you're the best man that's ever come into my life. And I'm like, not even joking. She asks him uh, what his take is on the next step of commitment. He says he wants to be with her outside of here and we get a kiss. This is future casting. She pulls out the card and key, although we don't see the keys. Maybe those are only reserved for bachelor. We do see the card. And uh, she says she would confidently say that she's down for the fantasy suite. John Henry is confidently down. Also, they enter the fantasy suite and um, they get on the bed, do a little prone kissing They close the door. We see the no molestar sign. This is implied consummation. Next up, Aaron B. and Eliza getting their one-on-one time at their dinner. Aaron B. loads a love level four in an ITM. And then he says when they sit down, the odds were against them. And he's grateful to be there with her. And he can confidently say that he's in love with her love level four. She says that was so sweet and she wouldn't be sitting right Right there, right now, if she wasn't also in love with him, love level four. He's glad they're on the same page, especially with what comes next. The proposal, Eliza hesitates. She says this is the part that makes her nervous. She says she knows they have to think about it, but it wasn't until the past few days that it started to seem real to her and it scares her because she only wants it to happen one time and she's freaking out. He says he wants to protect her and he wants to love her how she needs to be loved, the Raven Way and she reads the card. He says, I want you to feel comfortable. Whatever way you're leaning, I'm good with it. This is a deferral of fantasy suite. And she accepts for them both. We get a kiss. Eliza ITMs that she is in love with him and her freak out isn't bothering him at all. And she's optimistic. A couple of kisses here. And so Everything going well for our two remaining couples portion 14 the morning after Eliza and Aaron have some breakfast Aaron ITMs that he feels good waking up with her he can see his life with her outside of this they talk he asks her about being engaged she says she's nervous but ready he says he feels between great and fantastic I love that line Aaron B ITMs that there will be a proposal later this afternoon and he's ready to do this he leaves her in her room and ITMs that he's grateful to ask her to marry him Eliza looks at her dress. As she ITMs a freak out, Uh, putting herself out there once more was so worth it because she's in love with Aaron. But as amazing as she feels about him, it doesn't take away from the seriousness of the situation. This is a false wall. She only wants to do this once and she wishes her family could be a part of it because she's big on family Uh, like she didn't know this going in. This is her second time on Paradise. This is how it works. You get a couple of weeks with somebody and you either get engaged or you don't. Your family doesn't get to be there. And um she says she doesn't know if she'll say yes or not. This, in my opinion, is completely false. I believe this is all acting. Um done semi convincingly. I don't know. It's just so hard to believe at this point. They've all eggs each other so many times. They're the strongest couple. There's just nothing that's standing in the way of this. I don't see how they can make this believable. This seemed like a producer idea. Nonetheless, uh, she has planted this thing about the the reason she doesn't want to do it potentially is because her family can't be there. That's the reason she walks the path of pain, meets DLP in the Palapa. She says she's nervous and shaking. ITMs that she doesn't know what she'll say until she's standing right in front of him. And then Aaron B is waiting for her at the, the final altar. He says he thought he knew what love looked like before paradise, but then he saw her walk down the steps. He loves everything about her, and she's the most beautiful part of paradise for him. He pays attention to every little detail. He knows her breakfast order. He brings that back up. We've already heard him recite this a couple of times this season. Two eggs scrambled, no fruit. We found a way to choose each other, and he's so happy to be standing with her, and he had a great conversation with her mom, and he sees where she gets it. He reveals that he talked to her mom for 15 minutes to get the blessing that's what's implied here—that he got the blessing from the mom, and this off-screen conversation with Eliza's mom was my co-play of the game, brilliantly done by Aaron B. Here, I don't know if it was producers. I mean, they clearly had to have helped him do this because he doesn't have a fucking cell phone, let alone Eliza's mom's phone number. But um, no matter the case, he executed it well, and it was perfect, and it was the only thing that that had her wall up. So. He puts this in the proposal and he says he wants to do this right. He understands what it means for them both. He gets on the knee, pulls out the sparkler, product shot, proposes. She accepts. Kiss. She says she didn't know what she was going to say until that moment, which we all know or we should assume is probably not accurate. Portion 15 begins with Kat and John Henry. Now, how's their story going to wind up? We see shoes on the floor, implied consummation. John Henry does not snore, but Kat does. We learn they get a kiss. They agree they could wake up with each other again and again. A little bit of implied future casting cat ITMs that they opened up about their lives and she wants to spend every day with him. They have some breakfast and talk about how crazy everything is. Cat ITM seeing him as her husband and the father of her children. He's an amazing man, and she feels very lucky. We get another kiss. John Henry gets ready, and ITMs that this is the biggest decision of his life. Last night was perfect. Deep conversations. Everything is perfect. The deepest connection he's ever had. His heart is telling him to get engaged, but his gut is saying, don't do it. It's not enough time. And he usually follows his gut. This is a uh, false gut wall play from the producers here. Cat Izzo comes to the path of pain, meets DLP, DLP asks how confident she is that he's going to ask her to marry him. She says, I'm pretty confident. He keeps ITMing off face that he doesn't want to find out they're incompatible. This is just frank and bitten all to hell again. He's like, am I ready to go all in? I don't know. It's a big decision. I don't know what I'm going to do yet. False wall. And again, all this is from ITMs cobbled together to make it sound like he's saying any of this. Um, I, I really don't think any of this was real. The amount of shit that was played off face in this final episode, astounding. They really had to make something out of nothing. They did not have this footage. At the final altar, they compliment each other's physical beauty. She goes first, Kat, Izodos. She says she didn't see this happening in paradise. She never felt that she was deserving of someone like this, but he changed everything when he stepped on the beach. She's never felt this comfortable with anyone this fast in her life. She doubted that it was too good to be true. He makes her happy and at peace. She is fully in love with him. That's a love level four. It feels like it's a love that only comes once in a lifetime. She loves him and will forever. He says, what a wild ride. She's like, I'll devote my life to you. Love you forever. What a wild ride. Says it was totally unexpected. The path they took to get there is crazy. She agrees. It's nuts. He says he's always trusted his gut in life. It's helped him at times. And right now his gut's telling him that it's too soon to get to do this engagement. There are a lot of what ifs. Like, is it real? Um, Is something different going to happen when they get out of the show? But right now, He is going to do something different and follow his heart, which is telling him that she's everything he's looking for. And he sees a future with her. He's not falling in love anymore. He loves her. He's in love. That's a love level four, which you better be saying as you're about to propose, by the way. That being said, he gets on 1D, product shot, proposal, acceptance, kiss, kiss, double love level four. They exchange the final roses, which we did not get to see, by the way, with Aaron B and Eliza Isitchi. We just saw them holding them in their uh, post-proposal ITM as a couple. Here we see the final roses exchanged, two kisses. He picks her up as they scream, we're engaged. The successful couples then meet on the beach and uh, look at each other's rings. We make sure to get that idea in there. Kylie, not happy to be watching this at home, I'm sure. Aaron B. Uh, and Eliza Kiss, they cheers to Finding Love on Paradise. Then we get Cat Wong giving us a colorful narrator recap reel of the entire season for several minutes, complete with Poop Baby, uh, complete with The Truth Box, all the dumb shit they built up throughout the season, which tonally completely undercuts what you've just done. You want me to care about um, Kat and John Henry and Aaron B. and Eliza. You want me to be happy for them and leave your final moment of the show feeling good. The process worked. Look at these two happy couples. Instead, you throw Poop Baby in there, meaning everything we just watched is complete bullshit. The final note you're leaving us with is not one of joy for our main characters. It's one of remembering like, oh yeah, that was gross as fuck. Then, that's not even where it stops. They also throw in Cat's fucking villain edit. All the goofy shit. And they throw in shots from Cat's villain edit. You have turned her into the hero. Don't remind me she was the villain. Let me think she's a hero. Now, none of us care about that relationship. It's just a bad decision here. We get some uh, text on screen updates of various people uh, from this season. We see Avan and Kylie, a little video of them, social media video, like an IG reel or something. And it says Kylie's patience paid off and she and Avan have blossomed as a couple. It's nothing but fire emoji from here on out. Hope you remember that reference from the first episode of the season. And then we get some, like I said, some videos of them dating out in the real world we get a recap reel of olivia asking will to suck her toes and a Chiron that reads olivia is still looking for the one who will suck her toes she did all that for you producers she did all this whole fucking season put this goddamn show on her back and that's how you send her off fool edit thank you very much will gets the falling in the pool recap and the Chiron says will is tired of coming in second and has developed a lifelong fear of water good one Then we see Blake Mullins is biding his time in the wild until he can return as the golden bachelor. Now, this one was interesting. It's a joke, certainly. But nonetheless, the idea of Blake being a bachelor now of any kind is not only just in the minds of the fourth audience, it's in the fucking document. They put it on screen in a piece of text that we all read. Now it's even further in our minds. And if it wasn't in your mind, it is now uh, that he could be the bachelor. Golden bachelor, ha, ha, funny joke. But um I don't know. I think he's at the top of the list. That's all I'll say. Jess gets up next. Jess is single and in her solo sparkle era. All right. Sean's mom says he's doing fine as and is in fact secure. This is coming off of the uh, conversation he had with Sam P in a little recap reel where she called him insecure. Mercedes does her big burp and it says Mercedes decided she's rather spend time with her pigs instead of men. Pigs are nicer and we get a shot of her playing with some pigs. Then Rachel Recchia gets the video of Jesse Palmer telling her she's the first person to paradise. It freeze frames, and then it says on screen, Rachel doesn't want anything to do with a where are they now montage. Why did they do this? You have two options. One, it's some joke that doesn't make any sense. It's some weird joke that's like, she doesn't want to be in the montage. So we're putting her in the montage. Ha, ha, ha. Or two, it's true. She really does not want to be in the montage. And they are saying, fuck you. We'll do as we please. I don't understand this. I don't. And it at the very least turns into a fool. This is a fucking bachelorette. You've got to respect your own game. I didn't get it. Aaron S. and Braden. Uh, almost died, we see, a, a still of them when their boat sank off the coast of San Diego, leaving them treading water until rescue arrived. This is true. We covered it in Bachelor Nation News. And now, <clears throat> it says, Braden is dating Christina from Zach's season. That's Christina Mandrell. It says, Braden is teaching Christina's daughter how to accessorize. Perfect play here. Perfect play here. And we all now are left wondering... What kind of paradise could have been if Christina Mandrell was there? Can you imagine that? Braden Bowers and Christina Mandrell in Bachelor in Paradise Season 9? Now you've got a season. Now you've got a television program. Aaron B. and Eliza's engagement has hit some speed bumps. They are actively working on their relationship and trying to figure things out. Doesn't sound good. I'm going to give that one like I give all relationships in the Bachelor Nation, about six months. Kat and John Henry remain happily engaged. They are planning to move to San Diego. New members of the crew to live a happy life together. And speaking of happy lives, and now we get this montage of all these different uh, paradise couples. Grocery and Serena are married. Deanie Babies and Caleb Miller married. Hannah Godwin, Dylan Barber married. Abigail Herringer and young Noah Herb engaged, even though they were forced by producers to do a fake breakup at the prom in, I think it was BIP7. Astrid Locke and Kevin went have their second child. Ashley and Jared Kennedy and Jade and Tanner Tolbert and all their kids. Raven Gates and Adams Gottschalk and their growing family. Even D.O.P. is about to be a dad. We see a picture of him and his wife who's now pregnant. Missing from this montage are any signs of life of the face of the franchise for so many years, the only Tropical Royale, the man she met on Paradise and fell in love with And now as a child with, by the way, talking about Becca Kufrin and BBTC, the big body trash can Thomas Jacobs. Where the fuck are they? Where the fuck are they? Why are they not in this? Because it was a decision. They don't leave out. I mean, she's a fucking bachelorette. She was the host of bachelor happy hour for a couple of years, host of bachelor live on stage. And they purposely don't put her in this. This is what I'm talking about. You got to bring them back to the fold. If you've done something that made them hate you, bring them back to the fold. Legacy. It, to me, to anybody who watches this show, I think at a certain level who has like a deep fandom of it, this stuck out like a sore fucking thumb. All I'm thinking, the whole time they start doing this montage is like, when are we going to see Becca Kufrin and BBTC? And they're not in it. This is a mistake. You got to get them back. And then we get one final shot of two couples kissing our final two couples, John Henry and Kat and Aaron B and Eliza. DLP wishes everyone well as he closes the beach down. He says, don't go anywhere though because coming up right now is a sneak peek of the grazie season. The most romantic season in history. Once in a lifetime experience is an unbelievable worldwide adventure looking for something real. Fireworks, skating rinks, emotions, kisses, ATVs, bridges, waterfalls, level threes, laughter, hot dog eating contests, drama, tears, fighting lies. Joey's breaking down, mountaintops, his biggest fear is somebody not accepting him for him. We see a possible self-elimination late in game. What happens in the end is a shocking first in Bachelor history. We're told, heard that before. It's always been a lie prior to this. It looks like he's leaving the show after the final altar. Could this be true? January 2nd, we will begin to find out. As Joey Grazzi Day's Bachelor Season 28 premieres, we will, of course, be covering every game of it. And I can't wait. Tag here. We see Cat asking if John Henry knows what vitamin C is. He thinks it comes from the sun. She explains that they have differences in lifestyles. He doesn't know about skincare or farmers markets and uh, or cosmetic surgery. Now that is the end of the recap. Who was my MVP? Let me just tell you. Somebody that you might not think. Christina Mandrell was my M M M V fantastic uh outside of the game game work to score who i believe was the best player in at least his rookie season i don't think he was the best player in paradise i think that's olivia lewis he made just such a big error with rachel Reckia, but nonetheless still one of the most entertaining players of vip season nine christina mandrell has managed to start a relationship with him that lives parasocially and is so now visible that the producers chose to put it in the goddamn show. She is like uh, Greg Grippo coming into last season of Paradise to some degree when he starts dating Victoria Fuller as she's still on the show, as the show is airing. The same has, has happened here with Christina Mandrell. This is a Grippo-level play. Hats off to you. And I love to see that at least Christina Mendrell is a part of this document, if not a player on sand, which I would have loved to have seen. Nonetheless, that wraps up Bachelor in Paradise, season nine. God, I can't believe we've come to it. Um, Thank you all, everyone out there who has come on this ride with us through Bachelor of Paradise Season 9. It was not a fun ride. <laughs> this was a brutal one. But there were there were things that were learned from this season, I think, at least for me. Who knows if the, the producers are going to make any of these changes that need to be made. But I do think that Season 9 was an important one because it was one of the worst produced seasons, certainly. But it it is it holds a strange place when compared to Golden Bachelor, which it was attached to. It was like the barnacle clinging to the the giant, beautiful yacht that is the Golden Bachelor. But it was strange. And I think in a good way, it probably woke some people up um, in certain levels at like ABC and stuff to say, like, well, wait a minute, why is it hemorrhaging half of the viewers that Golden Bachelor has? So hopefully it'll turn around after this. But nonetheless, some great things were done. I mean, this is the last bachelor product we're gonna get this year in 2023. I have to say, overall 2023, for me, in the Bachelor franchise, incredibly good. Charity Lawson season, outstanding. Even Zach Shoutcross' season was like, whatever, bland, average. It wasn't bad. It was just kind of like, whatever. Charity season, outstanding. Golden Bachelor on another fucking level. Best product they've ever made. VIP season nine, maybe the worst product they've ever made. So it all evens out, I suppose, in the end. But uh, I'm incredibly happy and excited about where we're headed with this franchise in 2024. Can't wait to cover it. And of course, Pace Case and I will be here two times a week, all for the rest of this year with some interviews and some other good stuff we got coming up. Don't forget to send in your uh, questions to ask at gmail.com. I believe <laughs> I'm not sure if that's actually it, but it's on our Instagram. Send in your questions to uh, whatever that email address is there. And it's a one minute or under audio clip. and Pace Case and I are going to be answering some of those coming up. But again, thank you so much, everyone, for joining us this year. And we have big things planned next year. We hope you'll join us for that as well. And Pace Case, I hope you're getting your rest. I hope you feel better soon. And we'll have a new Digging Deeper out for you next Monday. And I think Pace Case always says at the end, Praise be Dark Lord Palmer. But I can't bring myself to do it. So I'm going to say, Praise be. Christina Mandrell and Braden Bowers. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast. Please get a friend to listen to us and then. Please rate this podcast. Please review this podcast Please get a friend to listen to us And then